This is Boston Scott, and you're listening to the Birds Banter Podcast. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen do it. Screams from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need his theme music. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. What's going on, Eagles Nation? Welcome to the latest episode of the Birds Banter Podcast. This is your host, Matt Loopy, and this show is presented to you by PHLSportsNation.com. We have finally arrived to the first victory podcast of the season. The Eagles are now 1-2-1 and one after three weeks of inconsistent football. Very uh, you know rough play on the field, both offense and defense. The Eagles finally stepped up. Got a win 25 to 20 against the San Francisco 49ers. Sunday night football with the whole world watching. Amazing, amazing feat to get the season back on track. Hopefully, the Eagles, believe it or not, at 1 2 and 1, they're the leaders in the NFC East, which is very hard to believe because, you know, looking at the NFC West, the worst team in that division is 2 and 2. They would easily be the um, leader in the NFC East because the leader in the NFC East right now has one win. It's crazy to see how the Eagles went from their season being in shambles to now they're in the driver's seat of the N- N- NFC East. Sorry, but um, you know I want to make sure that the Eagles understand that the season is not over here. I mean, they have one win, but the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Washington Football Team—they're breathing down their throat. You know, as as poorly as they have all played so far this season, all four teams—it's anybody's division because. The worst team is one and a half games back. So it can change very quickly. The Eagles got to make sure they continue to apply the pressure and regain, you know, some freedom up there at the number one seed. Um, You know, as a reminder, there are seven teams that go into the playoffs this year. So the Eagles have a little bit of extra leeway. But with the NFC play and how talented they are, it's going to be tough to get any type of wild card spot out of the NFC. So if they want to make it, they got to make sure that they get the NFC East division title clinched. If you are new here to the show, um, obviously, thank you for joining. But if you have been returning, I'm sure you guys saw my last podcast last week. The title was Feel the Pressure, Carson. And the mantra of that episode was basically Carson Wentz is struggling. Everybody can agree on that. But you know, in order for him to get better, I think he needed to obviously have a good game against the 49ers, but also feel a bit of pressure. Get Jalen Hurts involved a little bit more. Have Doug Peterson put some blame on Carson Wentz. Get that fire in him to make him want to get back on the field and play better. Going out Sunday night, the first drive was a three and out. The next drive, I believe it was the second one, Carson Wentz throws an interception. It looked like it was going to be another rough night for the Eagles falling to 0-3-1. How bad would that be? I mean, Nick Mullins, week three against the Giants, threw for over 300 yards. So if he replicated that performance and Carson Wentz didn't find his groove later in the first quarter, oh, it was going to be brutal, a brutal beatdown on the Eagles. But instead, he turned it around. And before I get into what I saw from Carson Wentz, I want to make something clear. I've been critical of Carson Wentz, and I think it's important to do that. I've been critical of Carson Wentz ever since 2018. His rookie year, yeah, there was obviously some holes in his game, but rookie year, let it slide. 
2017, he was near perfect. I mean, he was playing so well that the weaknesses, you leave that to the coaching staff, you let them fine-tune everything. But from a fan's point of view, a podcast host's point of view, he looked really, really good. Not much that we can say about him from our viewpoint. Into 2018, a little bit of regression, but he still played decent, had another injury. 2019, he played worse, a little bit more of regression. 2020, for the first three weeks, it was the worst Carson Wentz played in his entire career. A ton of turnovers, a ton of poor decisions, um, too many sacks taken. It looked like it was an all-time low for Carson Wentz. So I was pointing out the, the obvious. I wanted Carson Wentz to get better, and I think it's important as fans and then also as your podcast host for these my listeners, I want to make sure that I'm not sitting back here and saying, hey, Carson Wentz in 2017... He was an MVP finalist. He led the team to first place in the NFC um, after he got hurt. You know, you know, we know that Carson Wentz can do that. We're going to hold on to that forever. Those are the franchises that fail in the NFL because they look at one year from a quarterback and they say, hey, we, he, he can accomplish this on the field. He hasn't done it again, but we know that that's his ceiling or maybe his ceiling's even above that. So we're going to hold on to that and hope for the best. That's when you see teams start to fail because they hold on to quarterbacks that had one good season. Now, I wanted to keep it real with you guys because I want to make sure I share my knowledge and what I'm seeing out of Carson Wentz. That's why the first three weeks I was saying, hey, he needs to step up. If he's playing bad, put him on the bench for a drive or two. Put him on the bench for the second half. Put some pressure on him. Make him get better because now that I see that he's improving, like, okay, what's the next step? Let's get him better. Because if you're just sitting back and saying, hey, he had one good game, you're going to see the same mistakes come back up. He didn't have a perfect game at all. Nowhere nowhere close. He didn't have 200 yards. So Carson Wentz, he looked a lot better. He looks a lot more confident, but it's still an uphill battle for him. He's got to work hard if he wants to make sure that he's putting this team in a position to win every single week, which they got to do a lot of winning. If they want to get into the playoff picture here, I know the NFC East is you know struggling, but I don't want another year of scraping by in the NFC East to make the playoffs. I want them to get in because they earned it. So Carson Wentz, what I saw from him, obviously more confident. Number two, these read options and the scrambling. I mean, he said today in his press conference uh, on Wednesday, um, you're going to be listening to this Thursday morning, but he said, you know, when he runs the ball, it's kind of an instinct. He just sees an opening. That touchdown that he ran in was a read option. Obviously, he could have handed it off to Miles Sanders, or he could have took it in himself. So, obviously, it was designed. His his uh, you know, the way he executed the play was for him to run it in. But when he's scrambling out of the pocket, running for positive yards, that's on him. That's an instinct. That's his decision. So Carson Wentz, he said that when he gets moving, when he you know gets on his feet and produces first downs on his own he feels that he gains more confidence but also the team starts to roll and they start to get you know more cohesive as an entire unit which I think is absolutely correct because the defense needs to respect Carson Wentz a bit more he feels more comfortable with the ball and then the receivers know hey we can move this ball down the field in multiple different ways there's not a stress on me every single play that I got to burn someone for 40 yards we're just going to plug away down the field 
So Carson Wentz, I think he should definitely keep moving. He had an amazing juke on that touchdown run. He had another amazing juke uh, later in the game. He doesn't look as smooth running the football, and I think he needs to make sure that he's being smart and not initiating contact, especially at the second level with these big linebackers or you know a safety flying over the middle because that could definitely injure him. Don't take any risks, but if you have a hole, you can get some positive yards, especially a first down, go for it. And look for the, the look for the sideline as some safety if you need to make sure that you're not going to get hit. Um, another thing from Carson Wentz that I saw was still some accuracy issues. Um, I saw one play to Miles Sanders. Man, Sanders ran a really crisp route over the middle of the field. Nobody on him. Carson Wentz throws it down by his ankles. It was a ball, or I should say his knees. It wasn't that low. But it's a ball that Miles Sanders was capable of catching, but he's going full speed. He had to turn around a bit, try to catch this ball. If Carson Wentz hit him in stride, that, that, that's going for so many yards. So Wentz needs to make sure, like I've said in the past couple weeks, hit your receivers in stride, hit them in the numbers, make sure they can catch it with their hands right in front of their body. It prevents injury, prevents you know any t- sort of fumbles or incompletions, but it also sets them up for positive yards You know, once they catch the ball. They can turn, run upfield. I think going forward, they had a great offensive game plan with this battered offensive line. They wanted to make sure they got the ball out pretty quickly. Um, like I said in Instagram Live last night, they're down three starters, three projected starters from the start of the season. No, actually four. Yeah, four starting um, players from the start of the season. No, three. I'm sorry. I'm, my head's all over the place. Left tackle, down. Left guard, down. Right guard, down. Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson are still in, but yeah, Lane Johnson was um, in and out of the game a good amount in week four. So make sure you're getting the ball out quickly. Throw the ball to Greg Ward over the middle. Zach Ertz, the Niners completely eliminated him from the game, which is kudos to them. They had a great game, game plan for both Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz, but make sure you're getting the ball out quickly, utilizing these weapons out in space. Um, utilize a guy like Boston Scott who can make it happen in the yards after catch department. So overall, I'm really happy with what I saw from Carson Wentz. He looked a lot better. Looks like he's taking the next step in progressing this season. So happy happy for him. That touchdown to Travis Fulgham was fantastic. And I got to tell you guys, make sure you're tuning into these Instagram lives because I gave some great content on the touchdown from Carson Wentz to Travis Fulgham with some intel that I've been gathering over the week, um, looked into the play and what happened and what the these uh, the receiver and the quarterback both said about the play. So make sure if you're not doing so already, go to Birds Banter PHL on Instagram every Monday. I did it on Tuesday this week because of the doubleheader Monday Night Football. But going forward, every Monday at 8 p.m., we do a Q&A on Birds Banter PHL on Instagram. Make sure you tune in. Really, really good content. Really good questions from the fans there. But besides Carson Wentz, I think the best, best play that we've seen from this team in week four, obviously the defensive line. Eagles defensive line now leads the entire league in sacks, which is fantastic. They are playing very well, and it looks like Howie Roseman's very, very deep um, investment into the defensive line with Javon Hargrave, Malik Jackson, and Fletcher Cox at the tackle position is definitely paying off so far. Now, when I watched the game on Sunday night, I noticed constant pressure on Nick Mullins. Um, you know, he was rattled the entire game. The pressure was coming from the outside. It was coming from up the middle with the, these big defensive tackles. Fletcher Cox, he's been a bit of a non-factor this season so far, something that I was kind of concerned with. 
week four, he really stepped it up. He had a lot of double double teams, so it was difficult for him to get you know some separation and get to the quarterback. But I think he did a pretty good job given the amount of double teams that he was uh, looking at the entire game. Set up a lot of opportunities for the other tackles in Malik Jackson and Javon Hargrave. But two players I want to point out are on the outside of the line. Number one, Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett, you know, make or break year for him. Number four, or year number four in his career. Eagles picked up his fifth year option for next year, but it's it's a fully guaranteed salary. They can easily dump him and not lose any money from it. So Derek Barnett, he needs to prove himself this year. And something that they did that they have not done so already this season they made sure that they stood him up on the outside. And if you remember watching in 2017, 2018, that's what Chris Long did. Chris Long was, you know, a two-technique pass rusher. That means just his feet, a three-technique pass rusher, hand in the dirt. Derek Barnett, he's a, he's a faster guy. He's got some power to him, but he has speed as a pass rusher. So they wanted to utilize his speed to their advantage. Stand him up, rush the passer that way. I think it really, really paid off for them because Derek Barnett had one of the best games of his entire career. And another player that had a career game, I think the best um, game of his entire career, Jannard Avery. Jannard Avery talked about it a lot on Instagram last night. But wow, he really, really surprised me with his ability to get to the passer, but also the stunts of the middle. Ooh, he He's a small guy but he is powerful. He's fast. I think the Eagles should definitely try to move him around the defensive line quite a bit. Um, Inside the Birds, my favorite Eagles podcast with Adam Kaplan and Jeff Mosher, partners with PHL Sports Nation. They actually put an idea out there, put him at middle linebacker on obvious passing downs, have him do a you know delayed blitz up the middle. You know he, Nobody's stopping him. He's so powerful. It's like a jackhammer coming right through there. Jannard Avery had a great game. He's put up great stats so far this season. Um, especially after he was injured in training camp, came back very, very strong in week four, looking for Avery to get more involved um, in the defense because, again, he was a trade piece last season. Instead of going for a big name like Jalen Ramsey, Howie Roseman brings in Jannard Avery for a fourth-round pick, and everybody's thinking, who is this guy? Fourth-round pick, that's steep. And then Howie said, hey, this is an investment for the future. And then we didn't see him at all in 2019 so a lot of frustration he makes the roster in 2020 and he comes back and he's proving his worth already so I'm hoping for more big things out of Jannard Avery later this season I think another thing that I saw in week four was definitely some more creativity in the defense number one with Jannard Avery Jannard Avery isn't a player that you're going to play every single down every single snap on defense because number one the Eagles like to rotate their defensive line a lot. However, he's a smaller guy, like I mentioned. He's stronger, faster than your typical defensive lineman. So you're going to put him in on obvious passing downs. He's kind of a player like what they tried to develop Joe Osman into, kind of a stunt rusher up the middle. So he's not attracting big you know, offensive linemen to block him directly kind of take the pressure off of him and utilize his speed to find a hole, get through it, pursue the pass rusher. Also, Craven LeBlanc, how about him? He had a really good game, including a strip sack. He lined up in the slot. He lined up across from George Kittle. George Kittle goes in motion. LeBlanc doesn't follow. So immediately, there's nobody in front of him. 
it shows that it was so easy for the 49ers to pick it up. And uh, we'll be going over this play, or, a play a little bit later and something that you guys are going to learn about. Um, but Craven LeBlanc just lines up as a nickel cornerback. Nobody across from him you know, goes right to Nick Mullins. Strip sack, Eagles recover, and uh, that kind of sealed the deal right there. So uh, Craven LeBlanc, great game, but that's the creativity we want to see. When the Eagles got trampled by the Rams, a big reason was because they were not creative on defense. They let Jared Goff have his way, but now they're showing offenses different schemes, different lineups with Gennard Avery, Craven LeBlanc, different blitzes, different types of players rushing the passer, and it's paying off in dividends for the Eagles. Before we continue to some other great content tonight, I want to talk about our new yet familiar sponsor in Manscaped. Football's back, people, and that means it's time to throw on your team's colors and make sure you don't fumble your grooming below the waist. Our partners at Manscaped are here to save your boys from a Brandon Graham hit so you stay clean and take care of yourself where it matters most. Manscaped is here with a surefire touchdown with the best tools for your grooming experience. After an Eagles loss, the last thing you want to do is nick yourself down below the waist while you're trimming and doing your manscaped manscaping. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Lawnmower 3.0 is simply the best hygiene tool for the modern man because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced. Their Perfect Package 3.0 comes with a new and improved lawnmower, waterproof, cordless body hair trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when we're done quarantining. Their Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with a crop preserver and crop reviver. The crop preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant which ensures that your off afternoon stroll doesn't end up with your balls sticking to your leg. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will give your balls a boost. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PHL at manscaped.com. Take advantage of this limited time offer for Manscaped's Pro Bowl lineup and try it for yourself. Again, go to get 20% off and free shipping with the code PHL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PHL. This football season, audible from the ordinary, and choose Manscaped for your most important grooming needs. All right, we are back, and before we talk about the upcoming matchup against the Steelers, I want to talk a little bit about a wide receiver for the Eagles. Who's it going to be? J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Man, he is a hot topic in Philadelphia sports right now. Because nobody knows what to do with him. Now, I want to mention on Wednesday, his he was a full participant in practice, which is huge because he was out with some calf injury. Nobody knows what his deal is. He was apparently injured all year last year, suffered an injury against the Lions when he had a terrible drop in the end zone. And then now this year, before the Bengals game, he was you know apparently battered up a little bit played through it, and then he couldn't play against the 49ers in Week 4. Also, not to mention Alshon Jeffrey is going to be back soon because he was missing some time with that Liz Franck injury. Now he looks to be ready to go. He was you know, practicing a little bit on Wednesday, 
Hopefully he'll gear up and be ready for week five against the Steelers. But J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, what do the Eagles do with him? And just like I said previously in the podcast, I don't want to be the I don't want the Eagles to be a team that looks back on the past with Carson Wentz and says, "Hey, we know what he's capable of. We know what he can do. We're going to hang on to him and treat him like a Pro Bowl quarterback every single year, and you know not really push him to his limit." Same thing with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Now, one thing from talking to people that work in the NFL, this is one thing that everybody agrees on. When a player is drafted, after they are on the team, nothing in their past matters. Doesn't matter if you're a first-round pick. Doesn't matter if you're a seventh-round pick, undrafted free agent, third-round pick, whatever. Doesn't matter who, who took you. What matters is what you do in the NFL. Look five years down the road. Nobody's saying, look what Carson Wentz did at North Dakota State. He could definitely do that. It's ridiculous. The NFL does not think that way. If you think that way, you're not going to be successful in the NFL as a team. Eagles can't look at J.J. as a college receiver anymore. He played great at Stanford. You know, when he was drafted, I didn't know too much about him. Um, There was better wide receivers in that draft class that I was watching. J.J. just didn't really appeal to me too much because I thought the Eagles were going to draft some speed or someone with just more height to them. And, and then instead, they go get J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and say that he's going to be the next Alshon Jeffrey for the team. So, I think the Eagles are looking back on J.J. and just hoping, praying that he shows something. We are, what, 20 games into his career, 21 if you count the playoffs, and he has done nothing to show me that he deserves a spot on this team. I think J.J. Ortega-Whiteside should be off the team by the bye week. If he does not show any sort of significant improvement, which I don't expect him to do. I, I I don't want to be negative about players. I never try to be that way. I always try to be, you know, constructive about uh, my criticism with them and show like this. These are the facts. Here's how they can get better. But JJ, I mean, he's struggling everywhere. He doesn't even look like he deserves to be out on the field. He doesn't look like he wants to be out on the field. And especially after an offseason where, where he said, hey, I, I had a really bad year coming for it all this year. I'm going to be the guy. No, no, you're not. You haven't been. So JJ, he was a full participant. If he plays week five, I'm expecting him to get some, some targets, get some receptions. If he doesn't, it's time to start looking how to get rid of him. That's my take on JJ. I think a white side. If we get into that situation, I'll talk more about it in the future, but the Eagles can't hold on to him just because he was a draft pick, just because a second round draft pick, just because he played well at Stanford. You have to make sure you evaluate evaluate what he did in the NFL so far. And so far, that is nothing. Before we get to the Steelers matchup, I want to remind you of our sponsor with Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a fantasy sports betting app which have great offers for fans to use and bet on their favorite players out there. And a one one of the prop bets that they have is NFL touchdowns only on Thrive Fantasy. Choose who you think will score or not. It's that simple. Enter our code BBP, as in Birds Banter Podcast, when you sign up and receive an instant deposit match up to $50, minimum deposit of $20 required. Hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy today. Again, that's code BBP for an instant deposit of up to $50 when you bet $20. 
more and more. All right, we are in week five of the NFL season. The Eagles are traveling to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers' battle of the two Pennsylvania teams. Now, what am I looking for against the Steelers? Number one, you got to protect Carson Wentz against TJ Watt and Bud Dupree. Man, they are talented defensive linemen. And like Jannard Avery, which I mentioned before, obviously these guys are more talented. But TJ Watt and Bud Dupree are players that you can line up almost anywhere on the defensive line. You can run stunts with them. They are fast, they are powerful, and they're going to be hungry to get to Carson Wentz. So you got to make sure Carson Wentz is going to feel confident and protected behind that battered offensive line because their defensive line is good. Not to mention, they got some good guys in the secondary too, Minka Fitzpatrick being one of them. You got to fear him. He's a great, great player back there. Number two, James Conner is averaging 5.6 yards per carry so far. That's a really good stat line. Um, you know, he, he's been struggling with some injuries so far this season, but he looks to be healthy, ready to go for week five, especially after that little bit of a break that the, the Steelers had after not playing the Titans in week four. So you got to make sure you have a game plan for James Conner. He's going to be running the ball early and often. The Eagles need to make sure that they contain him and don't let up 5.6 yards per carry because that is a big, big chunk of yards for the running back out of pit. Another thing the Eagles need is a plan for Eric Ebron. When I look at the Steelers' offense, their main contributors that concern me, James Conner, Eric Ebron. I know you might say Juju Smith-Schuster, but the way that um, Darius Slay has played against former, or no, these you know other number one receivers so far with uh, the Rams, the Washington football team, the Bengals, and the 49ers, he has played up to what everybody expected out of him so juju kind of a non-factor in my mind but you need to make sure that darius slay is on him at all times eric ebron man the eagles are awful against tight ends this year and that's partly due to their linebacker group and not to mention the eagles don't have malcolm jenkins anymore to bail out the linebacker group i think the eagles linebacker group has always been bad ever since they won the super bowl but because of malcolm jenkins being on the team they could hide it a lot easier now they're trying to put Jalen Mills. Will Parks should be back soon. Um, he can possibly move down and cover some tight ends and try to help the linebacker group. But Jalen Mills really isn't you know, thriving as a box safety, as a linebacker like Malcolm Jenkins did. Um, so hopefully Will Parks can do that. Kayvon Wallace, they try to do it with him. He, he's just not talented enough and experienced enough at the NFL level. So the Eagles, given their track record with the, these uh, tight ends so far this season. Tyler Higby, three touchdowns. George Kittle, man, almost a career day out of him. You know, I always, in fantasy, I play a lot of fantasy football. Um, I, I, I try to give out tips as much as possible. But in fantasy, one of my teams, I had Noah Fant as my number one tight end. That was the only tight end I had on my team. I only carried one. And he looks like he's not going to be playing this upcoming week. I believe they're playing the Patriots. And because he got, he injured his ankle. So I was looking at the waiver wire and there was some good options out there trying to pick up a player. But I, I scrolled down a little bit. I saw Eric Ebron about five down the list. I'm saying, and I, I don't normally start um, players that play against the Eagles. I mean, if it's a no brainer, like a Saquon Barkley, I mean, you got to put him in, but for the most part, I don't want to. I, I love the Eagles so much that I don't want to root against them, even when it comes to fantasy football, even when there's money on the line. I can't do it. 
But Eric Ebron, oh, if you guys got him on your team for whatever reason, he's a must-start this week. I, I don't think the Eagles are going to come out with some intricate game plan that's going to slow him down, um, and all of a sudden they're going to be good against the tight ends. I believe they're ranked 30th against tight ends, opposing tight ends this season so far. So, man, Ebron's going to have a great game unless the Eagles have a, a plan for him, but I just don't see it happening. Um, if the if the Steelers didn't have a number one receiver in Juju Smith-Schuster, I would recommend putting Darius Slay on Eric Ebron. I wanted Darius Slay to shadow George Kittle once George Kittle started dominating the game against the Eagles in week four. However, you got to make sure you respect Juju because he's more talented than Eric Ebron, but they need to make sure that they're doing something about him over the middle of the field. Another thing the Eagles need to do is spread the ball on offense. They did a great job doing this on, in week four. It started with, you know, peppering the ball to Greg Ward all game. You tried it with Zach Ertz. He was double covered almost the entire game. Tried it with Miles Sanders. He, he really couldn't get going. Travis Fulgham with a touchdown. One thing I, I noticed from the stats, Richard Rodgers, second string tight end right now, filling in for Dallas Goddard, he actually led the team in separation yards. He had the most separation in his route. So look for him to step up if Zach Ertz is going to continue to draw double coverages on opposing defenses. Again, like I mentioned, the Niners eliminated Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz. So if that happens again against the Steelers, if they try to have the same game game plan, you need to make sure that Travis Fulgham, Greg Ward, and then hopefully Deshaun Jackson and or um, Alshon Jeffrey can come back and play some snaps for the Eagles. You also got John Hightower. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside looks to be playing. I know we just talked about him a little bit. But you need to make sure you spread the ball on offense and make sure you keep the Steelers' defense off guard. Another thing, I'm kind of concerned about Deontay Johnson. Their number two wide receiver. He's having a pretty good year for himself so far. Looks like Jalen Mills is going to be on him. Jalen Mills came down from safety to cornerback because Avante Maddox simply is not ready to play yet. And Trevor Williams is just not the option then to play at uh, cornerback two opposite Darius Slay. Jalen Mills has more experience. He's more talented in my opinion. And the Eagles really love Jalen Mills. He can't run really well, but Deontay Johnson, he's a quick receiver. He's got some size to him. I think Jalen Mills is going to be outmatched on Sunday. Something to look forward to. Uh, you got to make sure that Rodney McLeod always keeps his eyes on Deontay Johnson because if he burns Mills, we can't let him go for big touchdowns uh, drive after drive against the Eagles. The Eagles are going to be carrying momentum into this game. On the Steelers, um, on the other hand, they might come out flat. I don't know. I, I'm trying to find this balance in my head. Are the Steelers going to be harmed or helped by their long break after their game against the Titans got postponed? And I think they might be harmed a little bit. It obviously helps because they had more time to prepare for the Eagles, but they got off to a hot start. They're 3-0. They were moving. The NFL is all about momentum, riding the you know, quote-unquote hot hand, looking for these talented teams. It was like the Titans last year, late in the season. They rode Derrick Henry into the playoffs, never looked back. Played pretty well just because Derrick Henry was causing them to be one of the hottest teams in the entire league. So I think the Eagles... Them carrying their momentum from their week four win against the Niners and the Steelers kind of sitting back, cooling off a little bit, the Eagles might have a slight advantage here 
um, in that re- in that regard. On paper, the Steelers are the more talented team, so the Eagles need to make sure that their momentum can carry them, and uh, you know show that effort can beat talent. All right, I want to go to my predictions for the game against the Steelers before we get out of here. Number one. Alshon Jeffrey, he's going to be active, in my opinion. We're going to see what happens on Sunday or what happens leading up to it, but he was a you know, limited participant in Wednesday's practice. I think he's going to be good to go. I think he's going to be active, and he's going to have over 100 receiving yards. The Eagles have been missing Alshon Jeffrey greatly. Carson Wentz needs a security blanket on offense. Alshon Jeffrey is going to have a big game when he comes back. I'm also going to say the Eagles are going to, going to give up two touchdowns to Eric Ebron. The Steelers are going to lean heavily on Ebron because the Eagles are bad against tight ends, but also Darius Slay is going to shut down Deontay Johnson and or Juju Smith-Schuster, whoever he's covering on a given play. Eric Ebron is in line for a big, big game. Right now in my mind, I'm leaning towards a Steelers win on this one, but stay tuned. I'm going to release my final score prediction and keys to win on our Instagram on Saturday, so make sure you stay tuned for that and uh, see where my head's at after this week because I'm all over the place. We'll see what happens. But a couple updates. I have two big updates coming your way very, very soon. And by the time you're listening to this on Thursday or Friday, whenever it's getting to your phone, into your AirPods, into your headphones, getting some of the best Eagles content into your head before the game on Sunday, one might be released already. Depending on uh, when you're listening to this, it's going to come out very, very shortly. I think it's something that you guys are going to be super, super excited for. Something that I've been developing for the last couple of weeks. I'm very excited for it. It's going to be in the works very, very shortly, coming right to your uh, phone. More content from Birds Banter. So super excited. Make sure you're following us on social media to check these updates. Also, Instagram Live. I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast. Instagram Live is something that we do Monday, 8 p.m., every single Monday. We talk about the game. We talk about the upcoming game. It's an awesome tool for me to interact with you guys. You guys can see my face. You can see my reactions. And if you're participating, I like your questions. I like your reactions. I'll ha- If you want to join me, I'll let you come on. We'll, we'll debate about a few things for a couple minutes. Um, these only last 20, 30 minutes. So it's short to the point about the length of a podcast, maybe a little bit shorter. I really just want to interact with you guys. If you guys got questions, I want to be able to answer them. So make sure you're following us on, on Instagram, BirdsBanterPHL and tuning into these Instagram Lives. And if you have missed any and want to double-check, see what I had to say, go on our Instagram. They're under Instagram TV. You can watch them in the full entirety of the episode. So make sure you follow us on Instagram. Make sure you follow us on Burt's Banter uh, on Twitter. That's where you get all of the updates. And again, as always, make sure you subscribe on your favorite platform. I appreciate all of you. Thank you for the support. Again, big updates coming your way. We're expanding. We're not just a podcast anymore. Super excited to share the growth with you guys. And you guys have been here along the way the entire time. So I definitely appreciate all of you. If you guys have been appreciating the content coming your way and you want to see more big things out of the podcast, make sure you go to Apple Podcasts, rate and review. Give me some five stars. Um, Tell me what you think about the podcast and the review. I would greatly appreciate it. Helps me out a ton. Helps me help you. So again, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We covered a lot. But go Birds on Sunday. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get to two, two and one. So until I see you guys next week, go birds.